right guys, so I'm happy to announce that we have our Instagram page up and running. It is the state of sustainability all together, all lowercase. I don't really know if the capitalization matters, but it's just the state of sustainability. Um, and if you have been following us and you listen to us on Anchor or Spotify, you know what our logo looks like. That is our profile picture, so you'll know that you found the right profile. Um, we are working on getting the followers and likes up. We want to get a big following, um, so help us share that. And um, yeah, it just I think that the Instagram page really helps add a different aspect to the whole audio listening. It gives that visual aspect that hopefully will help um, it keep things more interesting. So yeah, give us a follow, shout us out, share it with your friends, share it with your family. Uh, and we really appreciate it. Thank you so much. What's up, environmental stewards? You are listening to The State of Sustainability, a podcast that highlights sustainability initiatives throughout the state and develops a casual conversation about environmental stewardship that the average person can understand and replicate. I am your host, Caleb Powell. Joined with me is the co-host, Ashley Cabrera. How are you, Ashley? Good. And then we also are joined by a very cool cat, Kathy Glappa. She's um, one of our co workers in the Office of Policy and Sustainable Practices. Um, and the reason we have her on today is we are going to be talking about Giza. And if you were like, what is that? Did he say Geezer? Uh, no, I said Giza. It's G E S A. And what that stands for is the Governor's Environmental Stewardship Awards. Um, those took place, the awards took place. Kathy, when did those take place? August 1st. August 1st. So the start of August, we, um, and to give you a little a little feedback about what um, Giza is, um, our office, has our office been doing it for the whole time or is it? The department has been doing okay. it. So um, what it is, is it's, uh, they're presented annually to recognize outstanding achievements by individuals, local governments, businesses, blah, 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 um, about successful environmental projects that um, have to do with conservation and energy and land use. There's um, nine different categories? Total of ten. Ten. Um, but it's a really, really awesome thing that we get to do and, and sh highlight these projects that are going on around the state. Um, and it, it's really cool because the governor also comes and, and speaks and, and hands those out. So, um, yeah, I guess what we'll do now is, um, I guess I could introduce Kathy. Um, uh, so, like I said, Kathy, she, I've been working with her for a little over two years. She's been... I've been sort of her protege when I came into the office. She taught me everything, <laughs> basically everything I know. Um, so she serves as the program manager in the Office of Policy and Sustainable Practices. Um, she has a lot of different things on her um, list of programs. Uh, the Clean Tennessee Energy Grants, of course, the Governor's Environmental Stewardship Awards. Um, a really awesome um, program is the Unwanted Household Pharmaceuticals Take Back Program. But yeah, so she she handles a lot of different stuff, and she's been she's been with the the state for fifteen years. So she's been there. She's got the experience, and she knows um, a little bit more about these awards than I do. It's funny actually. The first time or the first week that whenever I got hired, um, 
I came in the office. I didn't have a computer yet. And they were like, all right, Caleb, well, we need you to set up for Giza. And I was like, well, what is Giza? And so, uh, yeah, that whole week, first week I was helping set up the tables and everything. I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. But it is a really awesome program uh, or, I guess, recognition um, program um, that I'm very glad that I get to be a part of. And, um yeah, so let's learn a little bit more about it. So, Kathy, um, I guess we'll just jump right into it. So, ha- you've been over the recognition, pro- is it a program? Awards program. Uh, yeah. So, you've been over it for the 15 years that you've been here. Um, can you just give us a little history lesson and also, like, what's changed, what's been going on since, since you've been here? So... The Governor's Environmental Stewardship Awards program started in 1995 as the Tennessee Environmental Stewardship Awards program. It was just a departmental program. And this program even predates the Tennessee Department of Environment Conservation. It was just under the Department of Environment before we even, Department of Environment and Health, before we even combined with conservation and health moved out. So it started back in 1995, and it was really from a mandate for through a legislative mandate that said that you're going to give an award for hazardous waste management. So that's kind of how it all started back in in the early 90s was, or I say 90s, it was started in 1986 and we have been going ever since. So it started from the legislative mandate from hazardous waste and they gave out one award. And then Ernie Blankenship kind of took it from there and started saying, okay, well, we're going to award these people and we're going to award those people and we're going to award this and we're going to award that. So it kind of grew over that to quite a few different types of categories. And from there, he's like, you know, we just need to publicly recognize and and salute the people that are doing environmental stewardship stuff in the, Uni- in the United States and Tennessee, which is also in the United States, <laughs> um, and promote promote education and the natural beauty and all of those things. So like like you said, currently the way the awards program has kind of transformed is we've gone from a lot of categories to a few categories to in the middle ground categories and now we've kind of really found that middle ground of what we think is really important for our department and and got down to those 10 core categories that meet with our mission for the department and how do they tie back with all of the the priorities that all the governors have had over the past 15 years that I've been over the program. So like you said, Caleb, it does promote leadership for natural resources, for natural heritage, parks and rec, air. It encourages a whole lot of different things across the spectrum. It's been around for 33 years. We're going in our 34th year this year. So it's been around for almost as long as me. But but I'm a little little older than that. But Yeah, didn't you say something about it starting in, or something in 1995? What, what, What was that? So... In 1986, it was legislative legislative mandate, and that's where Ernie Blankenship said, "Okay, we're." He was kind of the creator, but in '95 is when they put the mm-hmm. Tennessee Department of Environment and Conservation name on it, and then we took that Tennessee side off and said Governor's Environmental Stewardship Awards, and that took place the first year Bredesen was in administration. So Bredesen thought it was a an important enough program to put his name on, and ever since we've had the governor's support. For the program, yeah, well, I was born in '94. So. I was I was born in '95, so that's how <laughs> that's how it, it uh, stuck that that date or 
year stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it used to be called TISA, Tennessee Environmental Stewardship Awards. I think I like Giza better because yes. it sort of sounds like yeah, geezer. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when people, when it comes around, we have an open application period. How do people apply? Uh, is there self not apply nominate? Is there self nominations that are accepted? How does that work? So each year we open the application period up at Christmas time and keep it open till the end of March, and that's for projects that were completed in the previous calendar year. So we'll accept applications January of 2020 to March 31st of 2020 for projects completed in calendar year 2019. Okay, so like, so from January of this current year to December. Projects completed. Completed. And so they can be started before that? They can be started before that, but the majority of the project needs to be completed okay. in the count that calendar year. And self-nominations are encouraged. We can take applications or nominations from government, nonprofit, schools, uh, anybody that's done a project in the state of Tennessee. We have had people from outside the state apply, but they were for projects in the state of Tennessee. Yeah, I've actually written a few nominations myself. None have actually ever won. I won one this year. Uh, no biggie. No they biggie. do also have to have three years environmental compliance with the department. So, but we we check all of that. Which makes sense. I mean, yeah. we want to make sure they're following the law while we, also being good stewards. Well, yeah, yeah. you can't. If you're not in compliance, it's really hard to award. <laughs> you're like, oh yeah, you're not doing everything right, but you're doing, you know. So, yeah. um, well, awesome. So, um, I don't know. We've really covered most of the of the information that that is Giza, um, but what? Um, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> what is what has been your favorite project you've seen come along? Uh, these years that you've done these awards? Well, I think each year I have a favorite, whether they've won or not won. And we used to go through the applications and say, okay, we these are the ones we think are going to win in these categories. And never fails. None of those are the ones that ever get selected. So we quit doing that. But over the, the 33 years that we've been doing this, 541 winning nominations have occurred. So if you think just the past 15 years that I've been over the program, we've had anywhere from 12 to 15 award categories. So there was a whole lot given before I even started over oh. the program. So what about this year then? We'll just pick this year. So this year, my, so thank you for leading me there. <laughs> so this year, I think my favorite project is the Mitchell Heights Neighborhood Association that was from Shelby County. They have done some really amazing things in their very... And I say small, it's a 40-block neighborhood in in Shelby County. So small-ish. And some of the things that they've done down there over the last couple of years has has turned um, empty properties, vacant properties, into local nurseries. They have one plot that they've turned into a licensed nursery that sells plants and flowers to... Um, has a contract with the actual Shelby County and the city of Memphis. So uh, it's their first first licensed nursery that they've had come out of the area. They have gardens that they allow neighbors to plot and garden. And then if 
that person that gardens it doesn't want or need all the vegetables, they turn it around and give it to the to local homes there in the neighborhood for helping feed the hungry. They also are teaching them a valuable skill of how to grow their food. One of the interviews that they had with one of the kids was said that they had never seen a carrot. They didn't know where a carrot came from. They thought it was just from the grocery store. Didn't know that it came out of the ground. Didn't know oh, wow. that it. that's how it worked. So they're teaching them all of those those skills on where things are coming from, how you can get it, how to not you know be hungry also. So I think that's part of it. And then just being able to turn some of these vacant lots or even the lots that have abandoned homes into valuable spaces and recreation spaces for their neighborhood. It really kind of drew me to it this year. Yeah, wow. And they won in land use? Land use. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, do off the top of your head, do you know all the categories? I should. I, I, I should, You want to test me? Yeah. All right, so let's see. Building green, clean air, energy and renewable resources, land use, environmental education and outreach, environmental education and outreach for schools, materials management, natural heritage, sustainable performance, and lifetime achievement. And then we have an invitation-only category called Pursuit of Excellence that we invite past the past winners for the last three years to apply if they've continued on their Pursuit of Excellence. And so is that is that like a new project, or is it does it have to be a new project, or is it just like adding on to what they've already done? Or So some of the winners on Pursuit of Excellence are both it, new projects that kind of excel what they've already been doing or projects that they've just kind of expanded from where they won previously. Awesome. So like Belmont University this year won Pursuit of Excellence. Well, it was kind of a, a culmination of all of the stuff that they've done, but then they've showed that they're still continuing on that path. Oh, like, oh, like the lighting retrofits mm-hmm. and all Another that. LEED certified building, I see. I see. more green roofs, stuff like that. That campus is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And very expensive to go to. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, awesome. Thank you so much, Kathy, for taking some time out of your day. I know you were busy running around the office earlier today, but we finally were able to, to corral you in here and get you to, to give us some information about Giza. Um, if our audience members, if they, if they know about somebody that's doing something awesome, can they do nominations? They can. Okay. And, and that can be found on our website? Yes, sir. TN. They can also, they, tn.gov, and they can also email me at kathy.galapa, K-A-T-H-Y dot G-L-A-P-A at tn.gov, or they can call me at 615-253-8780. Sweet. Yeah, so if you, if you guys out there know of any projects that you think should be nominated for um, a, the gov- a Governor's Environmental Stewardship Award, it is the most prestigious environmental award uh, in the state, in our state level, so... Um, We have a huge luncheon every year where we celebrate the winners, and like Caleb said, the governor comes, and it's it's pretty good food too. Yeah, I actually got a selfie with the governor um, at the awards this uh, this past Mm -hmm. this past awards, and it was awesome. So I put it on my Instagram. But yeah, but we're um, so coming up. We actually captured a few interviews with some of the winners on the day of the awards, and so um, continue to listen for that. listen to some cool things yeah we got three interviews we, we just picked three of the, the winners um and we have those audio files ready ready to go and they, they should be coming up next so stay tuned 
All right, so our podcast today is we took it out on the road. We are just finished up the Governor's Environmental Stewardship Awards, so we wanted to, to bring the mic out and we wanted to interview some of our winners um, and talk about their projects and uh, what they got going on. So if you hear some people in the background, that's who it is, some of our, some of our winners and some of the, um, the stakeholders. So uh, for the 2019 Governor's Award for Excellence in Environmental Education and Outreach, it was presented to Turnip Green Creative Reuse. So we're happy to have on the pod the executive director Leah Sherry. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? We are great and so congratulations on your award um, and getting a picture with the governor and, and you got to listen to the governor speak. It was very nice. So I'm going to give you a little background. For nearly a decade Turnip Green Creative Reuse has been connecting artists, educators, and citizens in order to reduce waste in their daily lives at home, work, and school. So, so Leah, if you want to, just give us a little rundown of, of what you guys do over there. Sure. So I like to tell people in a nutshell that Turnip Green diverts materials from the landfill and connects them back to teachers, students, artists, and other people in our community who need them. So we do that in a few different ways. We have a retail space. That's our creative reuse center. We get over 100 pounds of donated materials every hour we're open. Wow. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so we take items that other traditional thrift stores would reject, usable materials that usually don't have another home to go to but can still be used, um, and we capture those in our warehouse. So as of last month, we've diverted over half of a million pounds from the landfill. We weigh everything that comes through the door, even if it's a bag of feathers, because it all adds up. <laughs> Um, and then, in addition to being able to donate at the center, anyone is welcome to come shop. To keep the materials accessible, we allow people to pay whatever they can afford. Okay. We never negotiate. We say, if that's what you can afford, that sounds great to us. Um, so we also have an open studio space there where anyone is welcome to come create. Same thing, donation-based. We have a green gallery where we've featured over 200 local reuse artists. And we have education outreach where last year alone we served nearly 40,000 people and taught them um, how to reduce waste, but we teach them through hands-on art projects using materials from our Creative Reuse Center. Wow. You definitely... Um are the reuse green queen? Yeah. Oh, oh there we I know. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Quick question: What has been uh, you can say probably in the last month because I'm sure you've seen a lot. Your favorite thing that you've seen created from reuse items? Oh my gosh. You know what? Does it have to be local or can it be something I just saw on a trip? Just something you've seen. Okay. Yeah. I just went on a really great trip to Costa Rica, which they're very good at repurposing. Like the, the country is very um, sustainable. They take old tires mm -hmm. and they create these beautiful like animal sculptures out of them. I saw them all over the country, wow. like chickens okay. and birds. And I was just like, I've seen a lot. And tires is a big problem that we mm -hmm. deal with in Nashville. Oh. It's, they're really hard to recycle or reuse. Um, so that, that was uh, one that inspired me a lot. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking with us, and congratulations on your award. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. <laughs> All right, uh, so what, we have a very, very special guest. Um, the Governor's Award for Excellence in Building Green was given today to Ruby Falls in Chattanooga, and we're very, very pleased to have the CEO, Hugh Morrow, with us. Hugh, how are you doing? Great. It's been a wonderful day. Well, we are very excited, and we want to congratulate you on uh, winning this great award from the governor. Um, so one of the, Ruby Falls is 
by far one of my favorite places to, to visit in Tennessee. Um, I went to UTC in Chattanooga, and so my friends and I, we would all the time go there just on the weekends just to hang out. Um, so I wanted to highlight one of the, the, the more recent projects that you guys had going on. Um, the newest chapter uh, for the historic d destination of Ruby Falls was an environmental sustainable environmentally sustainable transformation completed in 2018. It involved repurposing the 1929 Cavern Castle, a two-story, 13,000-square-foot building expansion, and a 4,000-square-foot outdoor venue addition. So, so Hugh, can you give us a little bit of information about that and, and some, just a highlight of, of that project? Well, the key to this whole project was that I always tell my friends that this was our first major renovation in 88 years. So, you know, it was once in a lifetime, and we had to take a iconic 1929 castle that everybody knows at Ruby Falls and add uh, double the space that it had in, in a, what we refer to as the Village Annex um, and make it look like it had been there all along um, so that the buildings were congruent. Uh, and that they function together um, for our guest, and I think we accomplished that. And how long did that take? Um, too long. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, to from start to finish. It was about a four-year process wow. that we went through in design, uh, schematic design development, and then taking it and uh, constructing it because we we decided to remove some of the rock and build a platform next to the castle. Uh, and then in basically insert the building into the mountain versus building it on the top of the top of the soil. Um, so that did take some time. Uh, it was a labor of love, but it was a great investment. Awesome. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for taking a little bit of time to talk to us, and congratulations on your governor's award. Thank you so much. Thank you. And last but not least, we were able to grab the executive director and founder of the Compost Ferry, Mike Larravee, for uh, a little interview about his award that he just received, the Governor's Award for Excellence in Materials Management. So um, just a little bit about the Compost Ferry. It's the first and only organization in Memphis to actively address residential and commercial food waste through composting. So very, very exciting. He um, is got a lot of cool ideas, and he um, has been working really, really hard to get the compost ferry where it is currently. So Mike, thanks for coming on to the podcast. We're thanks. very, very excited to have you, and uh, congratulations on your victory. Thanks, man. Um, Good to be here. So. Uh, is there anything that you want to talk about in the compost area? Some of the, the challenges that you overcame or just, you know, really um, the reason that you thought that, that the compost fairy would be a good opportunity? Yeah, yeah for sure. So, so I, come, I, I was coming from a consulting background and I wasn't feeling like I was using my skill set to be as impactful as I could. And I come also from a subsistence farming background, so I had the intersection of science and practical application, uh, and nothing was happening in Memphis. And we started doing some market research and knew it was going to be an uphill battle with the culture, you know, the fact that it wasn't valuable. Uh, so the education and outreach had to be part of it. Uh, and we decided to be a, a nonprofit because uh, uh, because the uh, 
the population of Memphis, 30% lived below the poverty level. So we yes. want to make sure that there was equal access to everybody. Exactly. But it's, I mean, we throw away 2 million tons of waste in Shelby County every, every year. And 40% of that's compostable. And it's, it's, such a, it's such a twofer because we can put it back to work for us in the soil mm -hmm. where we can use it to grow food and also to sequester carbon. Uh, but it keeps it out of the landfill where people may not think about it making such a terrible uh, environmental issue for us because it's a it's the number one point source of methane in the country. Yeah, and people don't people don't realize that. Yeah, so I mean, it's just a it was it seemed to be like maximum impact for me. Like my skill set in that position could touch so many different spheres and have positive influence environmentally in so many different ways. I was like hammered down. Yep, yeah, we're, we're doing some compost action. Well, cool. Yeah, and I and I want to mention that the compost fairy is actually a participant of the Get Food Smart TM program. So mm -hmm, that's sure actually are. how I found out. He submitted the application. I did not reach out to him. I'm like, wow, this is a cool name. What do y'all do? This is wonderful. So he's doing some great things in Memphis. Just wanted to. Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, we'll be having a podcast soon about compost, and we're definitely going to have to invite you back to get to get your uh, pick your brain a little bit about what composting is and, and how to do it better. I'm your guy, buddy. Anytime. Well, thank, well, thank you so much for taking time, and uh, congratulations on the award. Thanks again, man. It's good to see you. All right, pod listeners, this month we are highlighting Panther Creek State Park. If you've never heard of it, it is a state park in East Tennessee more specifically in Morristown, Tennessee. So we have uh, one of the rangers calling in to talk to us about that. So without further ado, I give to you... The Ranger Report, brought to you by the Tennessee State Parks. Fun and adventure, naturally. All right, today I am joined by Jamie Mize from Panther Creek State Park. Very excited to have her with us. Jamie, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's good how are to you? It's good to hear. I'm doing. I'm doing just great. Um, and I'm actually better now because I'm going to get to learn a little bit about Panther Creek State Park. This is actually one of the, the few state parks that I haven't been to. So, this is exciting for me because not only am I going to, highlight your park and and let everybody else know about the cool stuff you guys got going on. But I'm actually going to learn for myself, and so I'm very excited. So thanks for coming on and taking some time out of your your schedule. I know, Rangers they have a lot of stuff to do and a lot of things to to be in charge of so taking a little bit of extra time out of your day is is really um important and and i appreciate you doing that for us not a problem so i guess what we'll do we'll just go ahead and start like like i said your name's jamie mize um we already talked about that it's panther creek state park that we're going to be talking about if you wouldn't mind maybe actually for myself <clears throat> i had, i don't even know where panther creek state park is so could you for our for our audience and for myself could you just explain you know where it is in comparison to i don't know a big city the closest big city and then maybe just go on a little bit about your experience with the state parks well morristown tennessee is where panther creek state park is at it's actually about 45 minutes east of knoxville uh the exit that you would use is exit four and hopefully they will get the rerouting of the road fixed to where it's a nice four lane the whole way Ooh. so <clears throat> what got you in this career uh with being a park ranger were you a park ranger somewhere else or did you start your career uh with the tennessee state park system i actually started with tennessee state parks i did a little bit of seasonal work in the summers and uh, i just really enjoy showing people all the cool stuff out outside 
Yeah. People go driving by, go zipping by. They never notice, you know, the spring flowers, the chipmunks that, that run across the, the trails, you know, the herons that, that and the egrets that live on the lake. They're they're too busy. They're too wrapped up in their lives to, to really take time to calm down and, and look. And it's a lot of fun to show them that and see them actually connect, especially the kids. The kids are, are wonderful. Yeah, you get them out in the creek to, to catch a fish and or you know touch a snake on you know that we do programs with, and you just see the look of oh this is so cool. This yeah, is what I want to do. Yeah, I feel like um, a lot of times that everyone's so caught up in their day to day lives or when they go to the state parks they don't really you know they're just there to to camp or or hike but they don't really um, get to interact with a lot of the the natural beauty and the, and the wildlife and so I, I i really appreciate uh the work that you guys do as rangers you know bringing um information and and bringing that to to the public i think that's very very important so thank you for for what you do how long have you been a park ranger 14 years in november oh wow <clears throat> that's awesome and have you always been at uh, panther creek state park uh, for the most part, I did my seasonal work at Tim's Ford, and I worked a couple of months at Crockett Birthplace when I first got hired. Awesome. All right, so now that we've talked a little bit about you, let's talk about uh, Panther Creek State Park. Is um, Can you give us like a little history lesson when it became a park and, and stuff like that? Sure. Uh, it actually became a park in 1967. It took them a couple of years before that to actually acquire the land to, to make it into a park, but uh, 67 is when it was actually established and uh, before that it was actually uh, established the land was established by the settlers around 1785 and they actually uh, established a community called panther springs because there was a spring near there and it still is the spring house for that still exists and people still get water from it to this day oh wow and before that it was actually part of the great uh, cherokee hunting grounds Awesome. So, so and it's been in use for a long time. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, let's see. Um, I guess you went over what it was before that. That's pretty. So, is the spring? Does it feed like a river or a lake or anything there? It actually feeds Cherokee Lake. Oh, okay. And so, is Cherokee Lake a part of the park? It borders the park. Okay. We do have a ramp that accesses it, and you can actually walk down, you know, on any of the shoreline to fish. But uh, it's not necessarily a part of the park, but it does border it. I would, if it borders it, that to me uh, justifies it being, you know, a part of the park, and in my eyes. Um, so how how big is Panther Creek State Park? It is fourteen hundred and thirty-five acres. So. In the grand scheme of all the uh, all of our fifty six state parks, would that fall on like the larger, medium, or smaller? What, what would you say? About medium to large. Okay, that's what I, that's what I was thinking. Um, so we talked a little bit about it, but what uh, kind of park activities are offered at the at the state park? Well, we do have a fifty flight campground. Uh, each flight has water. We've got fifty amp electricity. We have some sewer sites on there. Uh, we also have a group camp that is primitive camping for larger groups like Boy Scouts that are, that are coming out or something like that. Uh, we have a 333,000-gallon pool that is actually the only public pool in the county. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, so we do, get a lot of youth out of the pool. That's what I was about to ask. Is there? A, do, you, do you see a lot of people come to the park to to enjoy the pool? Oh yes. Well, that's neat. I think that's a that's. I I love having things that you know sort of, I wouldn't say force the public to come in and and check out what you guys going on, but um, you know maybe if that wasn't there, then there'd be less people that came in. So I I like to find cool things that and that's a really cool um like economic driver for not economic but like um public draw in to the park so i feel like that's oh, a, yeah. a an easy way for uh you know like you were talking about getting the kids and, and informing them about the 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 animals and the the different um trees and you know all, all that kind of stuff that maybe they wouldn't get that type of education if they weren't coming for uh to swim in the big old pool um, so in your eyes, what makes Panther Creek State Park unique, um, other than, you know, different from the other parks, the other state parks in our, in our state? Well, we are close enough to Morristown, which is a good sized city that you can get anything that, you know, let's say you forgot something, you can go get it without being a 20 minute drive just to find a gas station. Oh, I see. Um. And Morristown is close enough to Knoxville that if you can't get it here, you could go down there without it being, hey, it's going to take forever to get somewhere. Um, but Panda Creek is great because it's close enough to the city that you can you know, get your stuff, but it's far enough away. You will never know you were that close to the city once you're in the trails. Awesome. And so do you, you guys have hiking, correct? We do. We actually have 30 miles of hiking, biking, and horse trails. Oh, wow. Um, I like to do a little bit of backpacking. Is there places to, like, you know, like, hike in and camp? Is there campsite like, primitive campsites throughout the hike, or? We do not have primitive camping uh, or backpacking camping uh, on the, the trails, but uh, we do, like I said, have that 50-site uh, campground. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so, I mean, that's basically the same thing. Go on the hikes, come back, and have your campsite right there. And actually... I sort of prefer that because then you have, you know, bathhouse. Y'all have bathhouses? We do. Perfect. Yeah. That that way, when I backpack, sometimes it it does uh, take a toll on you not being able to shower and, uh, you know, just if if it yeah. if it does start raining. I, I went on a backpacking trip not too long ago and it rained the whole entire time and so it was just sort of miserable. But uh, if you have like a an actual campsite, it makes it where it's not as bad. So. And we do have a couple of sites that the tent pad is a little up in the woods, so you may not be primitive, you know, you may not have to hike into camp, but you can at least be camping away from everybody else. I see. Awesome. Um, and our bathhouses are set up family style. Oh, okay. Um, do you guys have any upcoming events or volunteer opportunities? Um, and this doesn't have to be, you know, coming up. This could be just that y'all, any volunteer opportunities that you offer throughout the years or anything that you'd like to highlight? Yeah, we've actually got, uh, on the 12th of October, we have Heritage Day, which is our big fall festival day. And uh, we'll actually have crafts, games, hay rides, uh, food vendors, craft vendors, pumpkin pinatas. Oh, wow. Music. And would you say... Yeah, it, it's one of the biggest things of the, the year. That's exactly what I was about to ask. Would you say that that's probably one of your biggest, um, biggest events that you guys have? It is. 
Well, awesome. Uh, Jamie, I, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day uh, and letting us know a little bit about Panther Creek State Park. I'm very, very excited to come up there and, and visit you and, and go on some of those hikes. Hopefully I can get up there. Not It won't... Well, I'll probably... I might wait till the, the leaves start changing. I th- is there some pretty good views? Oh, yeah. We've got some great views. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. Um, I will be in touch and... Um, and once I get this episode out, we will do an Instagram post and um, have a few pictures from the park and a picture of you so people can know who they're, uh, who they're listening to. All right. Thank you so much, Jamie. Have a great day. You too.